to the New York Metropolitans, 31 and 37. This team has is, is really been mired in mediocrity the last couple months here to start the season because injuries of, you know, and I hate using that as a crutch, but you know, the, the, the amount of injuries that this team really has to deal with has been really substantial and it's been to really key players and key components to a season as well. And we, we started to see that the, the pitching staff is getting a little bit healthy, but here now to talk about it on the Big Apple Sports Hour with Stopski and G is the creator of MetsBlog.com and the director of digital content for SNY, none other than Matt Cerrone, Greg Larnard, and Matt Stopsky here. How are you, Matt? I'm doing good, guys. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. All right. So the New York Mets, like I mentioned, 31 and 37. It's been a struggle, and uh, the injuries have really played a major part in this season so far, and they just got beat down by the Washington Nationals. Uh, What's been your estimation of of this season thus far for the New York Metropolitans? Oh, well, I think it's the injuries. I mean, I know you said it at the beginning there that I, you hate to do that, but, I mean, I don't know why. It is what it is. But they've been absolutely crushed, and there's really no getting around in it. It's, you know, you can always point to, you know, not spending enough in the off season or certain not making certain acquisitions or obviously managerial decisions during games and not calling a prospect a month ago when they absolutely should have and all those kind of things. But, you know, that's going to happen every season. What doesn't typically happen is, you know, putting 14 of your uh, 25 opening day roster members on the DL at some point during the first two months of the season. Um, the only two guys really from the opening day lineup that haven't been on the DL, the three guys are uh, Jay Bruce who's having a terrific season, but then also Granderson and Reyes who are hitting the combined 200. So, I mean, they haven't even really been left with. Uh, the guys that are their top producers for the most part. So, I mean, it's, it's been a complete mess. And, and when you lose your ace, you know, probably your next best pitcher in Harvey to an extent, um, or could have been, uh, the ground probably is, you know, coming into the season, but you could argue Harvey at, at some point, you lose your closer, your cleanup hitter. I mean, that, that's just a lot to sustain. And then you compare that to the Nationals, who really haven't lost much. I mean, Eaton worked for a little bit, but he wasn't having a terrific season. I mean, that's really it, some, some relievers. You know, that's a stark difference, and, and I don't I don't think anybody needs to apologize for that. I think it's a lot to overcome. Hey, Matt, uh, Matt Stopsky here. Uh, so I uh, renounced my Yankees fandom pretty recently on this show and now joined uh, the Mets. So I'm still pretty new to this team. Uh, I've been going to games the last five years. I have to ask you, you know the history pretty well. Uh, is there a clubhouse rule that only one player can hit over 300 on this team? So I feel like no one – I feel like the hitting is always – you know, under the 300 mark. Yeah, I don't think it's a rule, but uh, it's an unfortunate consequence of a lot of nonsense and, and kind of odd choices. I mean, they, you know, this wasn't the case when they were uh, lighting it up the end of the last two seasons. I don't think anybody had a, <laughs> had a concern about it. And frankly, the offense hasn't so much been the issue. It's the starting pitching, the pitching staff in general, but the starting pitching specifically. And then I think, a lot of times in, in, in the Mets case, you're seeing this. You get a lot of, you know, guys get banged up or they're trying to play through injuries. Struble Cabrera, for instance, you know, probably should have been on the table with us a lot earlier than he was and maybe even never came off it. Um, Cespedes to a certain extent as well. You know, it, it starts, you start getting situations where T.J. Rivera is playing second base. Now, he's doing great, but it starts to shuffle around other positions. Guys are out of position. You're using bench guys to, to play in other things. You're calling people up from AAA. 
you know, it just kind of throws everything out of whack. And I, I think you see when that happens, and this isn't just the Mets. I mean, if you, you know, you look around the league and just see when this sort of thing happens, you know, the Nationals two years ago, this happened. Where then all of a sudden it just all just falls apart. Nobody's hitting and no one's doing anything because it, it just becomes a collection. I mean, that's kind of the situation they're in. And the problem is that while the Cubs and the Braves and the Cardinals and the Pirates and the Marlins and all these teams that are sort of com- quote unquote competing for a wild card are all playing poorly. You know, Cubs finally turning it around recently, but for the most part, playing poorly. the Diamondbacks and the, the, um, the Rockies are just on fire, you know, and the Dodgers. I mean, you just don't anticipate these teams winning a hundred games and that's what they're on pace to do. And that's really just throwing a kink into the whole system really. Yeah, again, we're talking with Matt Cerrone here on the Big Apple Sports Hour here with Topsky and G. That's that's where I was going to go next, Matt. I was going to say, you know, this team is is falling ten and a half games back of the Washington Nationals. And in, in, in this season, you can't even really count on a wild card spot because Colorado, the Dodgers, and Arizona have been so, so good this year that unless they come back down to earth, the Mets really have to try to make up some ground in their own division, and they didn't help themselves any this past weekend, losing three out of four again to the Washington Nationals at home, no less. No, I mean, the Mets have won six of their last ten games, and they've lost three games in the wild card standing. I mean, get your head around that one. You know, I mean, that that says everything you need to know about what's going on here. I mean, I just did a whole bunch of math, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. But um, I mean, sorry, we're not very good boils, with math here. Yeah, right. <laughs> it essentially boils down to this: even if the even if one of those teams, let's just let's just say the Rockies or the Diamondbacks, one of the two just you know fall apart, and by that you know play 500, maybe a little less the rest of the way, the Mets would still have to play better than at any point during the previous two seasons and do it with less players probably healthy, and do it for a longer stretch. So, you know, last September into August and the previous September, August, you know, they played hot. They were on fire. Everybody was going bananas. They were playing so well, and they were leapfrogging teams and getting to the playoffs. They never played better than 650 baseball. They, they're going to have to play around seven-something from this point forward just to catch one of those teams, and that's assuming one of them kind of, you know, slows down and only wins 90 games. Like. It's, it is a tall order. It doesn't mean it can't happen. And that's also assuming that, for instance, the Cubs or the Cardinals or the Pirates or one of these teams don't catch fire also and become an issue. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tall order. It's, it's not going to be easy. And then in the beginning of the season really did them in uh, in a way that I just – it's going to be hard. You know, and, and Syndergaard may not even come back. You know, so it's not even like he's going to come back and, and, and sort of solidify the rotation. I just – this is this has just been a really bad year, and it just it happens as literally the worst case scenario because you left spring training thinking, oh, this rotation, how great, and it's just been decimated. Yeah, with all that math right there, you just kind of made my heart sink a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, sorry. This, I mean, you go go to mess ball, yeah. read the post, and I, I did the same thing. I, I just wrote, and I was like, yeah. I, the last line of the post I wrote was like. I don't think the sky's falling necessarily because that's what Terry's quote was. He said, the only people who think the sky's falling in, in the clubhouse is the media. Um, you know, my point is like, yeah, the sky might not be falling, but I mean, you got to be blind if you don't realize that the ground is shaking. I mean, it's just, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. With everything going on. And then you know, obviously they've got to go out West right now against uh, LA and then San Francisco and Miami. They right, come back right. a little bit to the East coast. It, it's been tough. So, so what, at what point, do the Mets say, okay, you know, let's try to trade some of our tradable assets and get these young kids up here and just kind of let them play and just kind of let the season play out as it may? 
I think it's going to be less about the trading of guys away because I don't think you're really going to do much. I mean, uh, you know, Jay Bruce maybe could get you something, you know, assuming he doesn't show signs of slowing down. But, you know, as the Mets knew last year, there wasn't a huge market for Jay Bruce and what will exactly, you know, essentially be the exact same situation because he's a pretty streaky player. We, we saw that as fans. Every GM around the league knows it. He's having a really good start to the season, so you kind of anticipate – They'll struggle, and so I don't, you know, plus he's going to be a free agent. I don't think you're going to get a ton back for him. Duda, you know, the same thing, very streaky. Um, you know, you can get something, Granderson, maybe, I doubt it, but as a leader, maybe down the stretch, he's a nice guy to have. You know, he's been experienced. These aren't, you know, huge players. Neil Walker's not even healthy right now. Um, you know, so it's, it's going to, that's going to be tricky. I think Addison Reed probably has the most value. Maybe Blevins, if you really wanted to go that far, because he has a pretty affordable option. But then the Mets are just going to be in a position in, in six months to have to go find a, you know, replace these guys. So it's they're in kind of a weird spot. And I and I think you actually could argue at this point that Jay Bruce has has value to the Mets as a returning player. I mean, it's hard to imagine that, but he's handled New York interestingly enough really well. You know, this year I think he's and as you know, I mean, we've been watching this team long enough. You can't say that a lot about a, a lot of free agents and players that come in. A lot of them buckle. And never Jason Bay. get it together. Exactly, Jason Bay. And and, and and Bruce is, you know, he has struggled. He took a lot of lumps. He fought through it. He's actually having a pretty good year. So, I mean, that, that says a lot. And that's something that I don't think they should ignore completely. Um, same with Neil Walker, for that matter. So, I mean, these are guys that you may bring back. Duda, probably not because of Dom Smith. Um, you know, but I think it becomes more about looking for a deal for Addison Reed because I think a team will take him. Um, you know, and then bringing up, I don't care what the excuse is, bringing up Rosario and Dom Smith. they they got to let these kids, let them play. I mean, what is the worst that could possibly, at the very least, they struggle and they learn in the batter's box, but they bring up the quality of the infield defense to, you know, tenfold, and you get to see what these kids are about. And, you know, it just, you know, Rosario should have been called up a month ago, and everybody knows it. I talked to two uh, former GMs and one that is currently a GM, uh, arrival in the National League, and, and, you know, to a person, they all say, you know, there's no reason that Rosario should have been promoted a month ago, and everybody knows it. And now the Mets are in a position where it's probably not the right time, given all of the, the craziness going on around them and where they are in the standings, uh, but you miss the boat. You know, it's not the right time because you missed the right time. So, like, it's they, they goofed <laughs> with that. And so, I mean, here we are. And so, they, I mean, you know, if they're going to be out of it and they know that, they they got to let these kids play. You, gotta, you have got to know what you have going into next season with them. So, Matt, I want to officially apologize. I left the Yankees, and they started doing well, and I joined the Mets, and they started sucking. <laughs> so, I, I yeah. said it was at least, at least half my fault. Well, listen, the Yankees, you know, the, the, I wouldn't go too many bets on the Yankees just yet. I, I don't – I'm not a huge – seriously, I'm not a big buyer into their season right at the moment just because they're in that – spot where you know a lot of these kids haven't played a full year that you know when when they start look you've seen this enough you watch enough new york baseball the show's about and so you know when it gets august and if, if the yankees are still in it or they're or they're in it but they're struggling and the city and the mets are out of it the city's going to turn their attention on those kids and can they handle the heat can they handle it all is the bullpen strong or is the rotation strong enough to get through 95 degrees, you know, 105 on the field, seven-game homestand, you're one in five, you know, you got to win those last games and you're on the back pages and all that stuff's beating down on you. Like, can they handle it? And we've seen, the, you know, that's not easy. 
And so, I, you know, Aaron Judge, it's great and everything, but I want to see a full season from these kids. And, and I think they got an exciting team, but, you know, you got to see them get through. We saw this at the Mets in, in 14, you know. Um, you know, you got to kind of you get, you get off to a good start and play well in June or whatever, or May, but, like, it's a long year. And you got to see these kids get through it. We haven't seen it yet, and I don't know that they can. We'll see. Uh, we agree. We, Greg and I have been talking about the Yankees. We don't think they can be. Uh, we think they'll be fun to watch going you know, the rest of the season because of those, uh, those bats. But we don't think they're going to be a serious playoff contender. Uh, but I want to talk about the Mets real quick. On the you know, looking forward to 2018 because why not? We're, the season's already over. Uh, their starting pitching staff, mainly Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard. I have big question marks about what you think about these two guys. Obviously, the Harvey situation is well documented at this point. Uh, Noah, although before he left, didn't have it wasn't the worst uh, statistically, but there was a lot of articles starting to uh, pop, especially one by uh, the American hero Greg Long over here saying that Noah's ego is getting too big for for his, uh, his britches. Do you think Noah will come back and, and play like he did the previous season next year? And what do you think is going to happen with, with the Mets and Matt Harvey? With Harvey, I don't. I mean, they have no choice. He's got to come back next year. They they missed multiple opportunities to trade him, um, and understandably so probably not for the best deals. And, and now, you know, I don't think he's worth much in terms of the, of the trade market just because, you know, it's a lot of injuries. And, I mean, frankly, there, there's a yeah, there's an argument to be made or a concern that he may never come back from this most recent, you know, um, thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. I mean, I, I understand that this shoulder scapula thing may or may not be related to that, but, you know, it's a 50-50 shot based on the history and and so there's no guarantees and then when you factor in being suspended for skipping a game and, and being late in, in previous you know situations I mean the whole thing is just if I'm another team at, at this point with a year left on his contract you know what do you you know it's just not you're not going you're not jumping over uh you know people to get Matt Harvey so I, I wouldn't I don't think he's going anywhere he's going to be in the rotation DeGrom's been terrific um Matt's might be the best, you know, the most valuable of the bunch when you consider the fact of how he throws and then he's a lefty and then he hits. The problem is he, you know, he hasn't stayed on the field for an entire season. So, I mean, that, that's always going to be a concern. And uh, in regards to Syndergaard, which is really what your question was about, I mean, I don't really worry too much about his ego. I think that's an easy mark. Um, and I think, you know, when a guy's pitching well, that becomes an asset, and when he's not, it becomes a liability. And so, I mean, I think ultimately it cancels itself out and just becomes about the talent and what he's doing on the field. And, if you know, I think for Noah, the biggest issue is going to be understanding that he's not 22, 23, you know, when he comes back and as he's maturing and he's going into the gym and he's doing all these things, you know, lifting weights and, and doing all this stuff that he's doing, that he works and now this should be partly part of the responsibility of the organization, but as an individual, as the CEO, basically, of his, you know, baseball career and future, you know, he needs to make sure that he's doing the right things in terms of his mechanics and all these things are in concert with weight building and, and strength. Because I don't think that was the case this year. I think he put on that weight, didn't change any of his delivery. And then I think he struggled for it and hurt himself. And I think now he's in a position where, you know, he's going to have to do those things. And that's what you do when you get older. You know, you get a little bit of a belly. You get a little more tired. Things change. You know, you've got to make those adjustments. And so I think if he does those things and he learns uh, how to kind of manage himself on the field as he gets older, I don't, I, you know, he's the least of my concerns. I would lock him up and give him everything he wants because I just think he's got the right mind and um, takes himself seriously 
I think that's part of what makes him funny and makes him such a great personality is that he's kind of, he's got sort of a, a dry wit to him because I think he gets it all. Uh, he just has to be, I think he just has to understand kinesiology and understand that, you know, the things he's doing in the weight room and with his diet, you know, have to be in you know connection with his delivery and his mechanics and how he's approaching the game. And if he does that, I think he, you know, he's going to be just fine. Yeah. Uh, it, again, we're talking with Matthew Cerrone here on the Big Apple Sports Hour. And, you know, Matt, I, I've been a big Terry Collins apologist over the last couple of seasons. And, and I thought, you know, that he's he hasn't gotten enough credit for the job that he's done, especially in those early years when they had really bad teams and he really got the most out of those guys. And, you know, obviously getting them to the World Series uh, in 2015 and, and managing through all the ups and downs um, of last season and now again, you know, uh, all the tumultuous up and downs that, that this season has brought. And it doesn't seem, as you had mentioned earlier, that this team is going to get back to the playoffs this year. What's been your, your estimation of Terry Collins? Does he deserve to be here for the rest of this season? Do you think he, he'll come back next season? Because I know he was thinking about retirement at, at the end of last season because it was very up and down and stressful and he's not getting any younger. So what, what's your estimation to Terry Collins? I don't really have a good answer for this because I, I feel like to, to, to give it its fair shape, you need to have the replacement, right? You got to know where it's going and know who you're yeah, going to replace exactly. this season and then what you're going to do next season, right? And I, it's hard. And here's why it's hard to answer that. New York city makes it incredibly complicated. Um, it's easy to be an armchair GM and just fire people and hire them. But the reality is that, and I say this with all respect to fans who don't, don't get to be in the position that I've, I've worked to be in, which is, you know, have a press credential and get to know some of these guys and watch, and more importantly, watch how the media operates and be sort of a student of, of journalism in this city and kind of how things happen. I could tell you without question that Terry does an unbelievable job um, handling all that and deflecting stories and keeping the players protected and working on when lineups get posted and times and how things maneuver so that, you know, this guy can throw in private so that no one sees him and is up his, you know, but about questions about this and that, like he does a really good job with that. And he motivates the players well and keeps them focused and he does all that great. However, he is terrible. I think in games, he's just, I don't know if it's losing uh, Chip Hale, that first runaround or, um, um, when, uh, Bob Garrett most recently, I think Garrett hurt a lot. Um, yeah. you know, there's nothing against Dick Scott as his bench coach. I, I don't really know much about him, but what I do know is that Terry has seemingly been a lot more confused and just not as sharp, um, and making some odd choices since Garrett left. So I, I you know, my guess is there's something there. Um, you know, and you saw a lot of this at the end of last season. Last season, the end of last year was a big red flag to me. They were winning, and yet he was making mistakes left and right. And, you know, that's fine. But, like, what does that mean when they're in positions to win more? Like, is he going to be able to get them over the hump? And that's always a concern. So, like, you know, there was an instance last year where uh, he didn't use Jerry Blevins in a game that clearly called for Jerry Blevins, who hadn't pitched in, like, three days. And when the reporters asked him after the game, why didn't you use Blevins? Terry said, well, because he was walking around in the clubhouse before the game with an ice pack on his shoulder. And when they then went and asked Blevins, Jerry said, I do that every game. I always wear that thing. Like, <laughs> that's how part of my process. So, like, that's, you know, what, what was that about? 
you know, like, how did he not know that number one, two, like where was Worth in what, you know, what, what happened there? And like, that just came and went. And to me, like, that's the kind of thing that I understand as a manager, maybe you don't know everything and you're not on top of anything. Cause that's, you're not a micromanager. That's not your job. But somebody should have known something there, like your bench coach or your bull, something somewhere, somebody weighs in. A couple of weeks ago or last week, Cespedes wasn't ready to hit, so they used Stephen Max. Now, Cespedes is a professional ball player. You should have a bat in his hand and be getting ready, but maybe he was told you're not playing tonight. So where, who was supposed to tell Cespedes, hey, we may need you? Start getting loose. Nobody. So instead they had to use their pitcher to pinch hit. But like those little things is not you know those are it's fine when you're 31 and 37 they get glossed over when you're rebuilding but like if the Mets are in first place right now and that was a crucial game against the Nationals in September we all would have seen it and it doesn't mean that the decision's any different right it's the same moment so that's the kind of stuff that concerns me and to answer your question I'm just giving you a long answer on on why it is so difficult to make a call because <laughs> whoever they replace yep. him with and they will at some point replace him who can do those? I don't know who the person is that can handle the city and handle all the pressure and do all the media stuff and redirect and be really good at in-game tactical stuff. And by the way, deal with the front office who is very hands-on. And I don't know who that is. So I don't really have a good answer in, but you know, that's, that's the truth. That's the fact that, that those are the facts. If you guys have an answer, I'd love to hear it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've talked to my dad and, and I've talked to Matt at length about this situation and, and where they would even go next. And it's it's just such a question mark. And, you know, the communication has yeah. always seemed to be a problem with the Mets organization. Uh, ever since I've I've remember watching them, you know, I'm 27 oh, yeah. years old now. So it's been a, it's been a huge problem. 90 seconds here left. So I just wanted to say thank you. I appreciate you taking some time and, and jumping on the show. I know it was kind of last minute, but I'm, I'm glad we got to do this. Oh yeah, no worries. Sorry for all the rambling. You, you know, I'm I'm in the middle of writing, like I'm working on the blog now, so my brain just cranking. So I, I hope it wasn't too much. <laughs> so that was excellent. Thank you so much, Matt. You got it, guys. Good luck with the show. Take it easy.